Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another episode of Locked On Blackhawks and Locked On Savers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just want to say thank you to everyone for making both our shows your first listen here to start off your day and a reminder that you can check out the podcast 100% for free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And also a quick little reminder that today's episode is sponsored by Bet Online, which is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and Vegas casino games here in 2022. Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm the host of Lockdown Blackhawks, Jack Bushman. Joining me now for a crossover episode ahead of Saturday's matchup up in Buffalo is Joe DiBiase or Sneaky Joe uh, from Lockdown <laughs> Savers. Uh, Joe, how's the start of the season treating you, man? Thank you for coming on. I, I really appreciate what, it. What's up, buddy? Uh, good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, too. And This is probably the only time. Well, we'll see. Uh, we're winning records. We're talking to each other with both teams having winning records. I would not have thought that was going to happen uh, a couple weeks into the season. Yeah. Did not see that coming whatsoever. Certainly no. more so on my end. For Buffalo, I mean, we'll get into it a little bit here, but they showed a lot of signs of life late in last season and that the group was really coming together with Don Granado. So mm-hmm. we'll touch on all of that. Um, but the, the first thing I wanted to ask you about, Joe, is just kind of the start that the Sabres are having, this in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won four of their first five games, started off four and one. They've dropped their last two now. Yeah. Uh, can you kind of talk to me about What's like the mentality behind this Sabres team or what was it going into the season and kind of led to getting off to that good start? Yeah, I think, you know, a couple of different things that's that's happening with them. They have a little bit of a heightened expectation for this season. And I say that very carefully, that it's only a little bit of a heightened expectation. Because if this team misses the playoffs, I don't think anybody's going to be upset about it because it's fairly, it's reasonable to expect that they're not going to and their NHL record 11-year playoff drought. Uh, that stings to say every single time, but it's true. Uh, they have the NHL record for missed playoff seasons in a row. But they're a young team. They're the youngest team in hockey. In fact, they're the youngest team in hockey by a pretty wide margin. And, oh, yeah, that includes the fact that Craig Anderson is on their team, who is, like, 70 years old. Um, so that even gets – it could be even lower. So with that being said, they've got talent but they're so young. So I think what fans expected, what the team expected was, all right, we don't need to make the playoffs this season, but we got to see a step. They were at 76 points last year. That was fine. It was at least some breath of fresh air, not to just be a doormat and be the worst team in hockey that you get run over every night. The last couple months of last season, they were actually fairly competitive on like an 85, 86 point pace, which not playoffs, but it's, 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 it's reasonable. It's acceptable. Um, this season with all their young talent, it was, all right, let's take a step forward. Can we be a team that's in the mid eighties? Can we be a team that, holy cow, could we get to February before the playoff race is over for past seasons? It's been like November 20th and the, uh, and the, the playoff race is over. So that's kind of what expectation was just, can we have a season? Can we be thinking about the standings? Can I sit here on January 15th and say, you know, if they win four in a row here, they're right back in the mix. Because we haven't even been able to say that. So, that being said, they won their four of their first five games. And they looked good doing it. And 
they did it with the fifth hardest schedule in hockey to start the league or to start the year. Um, so West Coast road trip, you win four out of five. Your young players are contributing. Rasmus Dahlin looks like an elite defenseman, which we've been waiting to have happen here. This is good. And even the last two games, Jack, like they lost both of them. Uh, the Seattle game, there's no excuse. They got run over. They were horrible on that night. But last night against Montreal, Thursday night against Montreal, that's a, that's a team that's expected to be below you in the standings. You did lose. You outplayed them by a lot. You outshot them 44 to 30. Two of Montreal's goals were fluky. One went off a, it was a shot from the wall that went off a leg and into the net. The other one was like a fluttering shot from the point that like, it, it was just a weird shot that even Brennan Gallagher didn't expect to go where it went. Um, so two goals that were just unlucky, you know, outplayed them. And I think, you know, fans walk away from games like that thinking, yeah, they lost, but we just want to see steps forward. We want to, we're worried more about how they play than results still. So that's kind of a synopsis of the start of the season. Fans are excited, um, but we're not quite yet at, oh man, we can make the playoffs this season. Yeah, Blackhawks fans can kind of feel feel that <clears throat> as well yeah. because it, it's more in terms of we know the losses are going to come. And even after this pretty solid start, it, it's a long ways to go. I've referenced this many times on my show. There's going to be peaks. There's going to be valleys along the way. That's just a given with the roster that the Blackhawks have. So mm. it is more so about not the final result, but how you play it. And even in the Blackhawks game last night where they lost 6-5 to five to the Edmonton Oilers, that was an effort that I can live with, especially out of a team, you know, who doesn't have Stanley Cup playoff aspirations. You can kind yeah. of live with those types of efforts, and the final result doesn't go your way, then, then so be it. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, what do you think has kind of helped lead the Sabres to, I don't want to call it a turnaround, but definitely starting yeah. to head in the right direction, starting to gain some some progress and gain some traction around the team? What kind of have been the turning points in your eyes or, or the keys to this team now having that mentality or now having realistic goals to, hey, it's just yeah. kind of kind of putting it all together now and being more of a complete team? I think I think that all starts with Don Granado, the head coach, um, he, who, by the way, former assistant coach uh, in Chicago. He he's just the perfect coach for what the team is. He has a junior background, the U.S. National Development Program, um, coached in the juniors as well before getting to Chicago as an assistant coach in the NHL and then building his career from there. He's just the perfect type of coach for the youngest team in hockey for. All right. Can we turn around Rasmus Dahlin because he stalled? when Ralph Kruger was their head coach a couple of years ago, which was all they went from, can we squeeze every last ounce out of this team to squeak into the playoffs, to be, be a 95 point team. And that mentality was, it was one of desperation. It was one of scrambling. It was one of, Oh, let's go trade for 36 year old Eric Stahl in the off season because we need scoring. Um, let's go, you know, let's go, uh, let's go, Trade, trade, sign Carter Hutton to a big money deal after one good season with St. Louis because we're desperate for a goaltender. They're signing and chasing these veteran players that were just band-aids over a much larger problem. And they finally, I think, sat down and realized this ain't working. We're nine years into this. It's just not. So we got to hit the refresh button. We got to start over. And yeah, that's going to mean saying goodbye to great players like Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt. Eichel, it's a much more complex issue than just that. Um, but it, it came with a with a, a a refresh of 
We got to start new and we got to be building towards something, not scrambling at the last minute every time to patch a hole with duct tape. And they did that. And now they have arguably the best prospect pool in hockey. Depends where you look. They're always ranked in the top five, though. They're either ranked one, two, three, like they're right up there. And those prospects are just starting to arrive. And that's where I think Sabre fans are, are getting excited. Because a year ago, when they started this rebuild, two years ago, it was, all right, look at all these prospects league we got. Look at all these picks we got. That's cool. And fans would, like, be hesitant to buy in because, like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it because we've done this for 11 years. But now we're starting to see it. Now J.J. Paterka, who's a 20-year-old rookie, shows up. And, oh, he's really good. He can, he's got, you know, two goals in the first three games. And, oh, Darlene is finally starting to hit his stride. It's still only 22. That's really good. Um, you know, Dylan Cousins at 21 years old. Oh, he looks like a legit top six centerman. That's really good. So now that we're the Sabre fans are starting to see it and not just, oh, yeah, look at this Twitter video from this kid in, uh, in the European leagues that had a highlight. Like, I think now it's more believable. And now it's, um, it's easier to accept that they actually are on the right track because they're actually doing it. Uh, in the NHL, at least to, to some extent. I know four and three, again, is not like, oh, they're undefeated and they're the big surprise of the league. Right. That, that's some interesting insight, though, is, you know, a lot of fans listening to this will relate because of the Blackhawks being in the first year of their rebuild. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just had a, a really big NHL draft where we selected 11 players. And a lot of people yeah. who have seen these guys perform this summer, you know, say we're hopeful for them. And there are people who aren't going to buy in and, until they really see it for themselves in person. So very interesting to hear you say that. Uh, the, the last question I wanted to ask you, <clears throat> got to ask about these two guys. As a Blackhawks fan who doesn't get hmm. to see the Buffalo Sabres a whole lot each and every year, you got two number one overall picks on the back end. You referenced one earlier in Rasmus Dahlin, the other being Owen Power. Did I did I see this correctly that they were on the same D pairing the other night? Have they been They were. Through? They were. Also, so, how the heck did I just go through all their young players and prospects and not mention Owen Power? <laughs> I'm going to be kicking myself for that one later. Can you kind of <laughs> talk to me about how both of those two guys have looked? Because, again, we just don't get to see a whole lot of them. It's a whole lot of just, you know, yeah. hearing and seeing what goes on on Twitter. What have you thought about each of those two so far this season and so far in their careers? So I'll start with Darlene. He's made the jump. He's made the jump, man. Like, the the the, the player Sabre fans were dreaming about when they won the lottery four years ago he is just starting to hit his stride. Like it's, it's happening. And it, it happened last year too. Like second half of last season, you know, it's almost weird to say it happened after he went to the all-star game. I don't really think he had earned the all-star game, but every team's got to have a guy and he was their best player. So, okay. <laughs> Darlene goes to the all-star game. It's like, he came back from that. Just another person. I don't know if it was like a confidence boost that like, oh yeah, I belong with players this great because I hung out with Ovechkin and all of them at, at, at All-Star Weekend. Um, but ever since then, he looks like an elite defenseman. He looks like a guy that will win Norris trophies in his career, which is what he was built up as as a prospect. And he's still only 22, so it's not unreason- It's not crazy to think that could have happened. Eric Carlson had the same career trajectory where he came in and like, oh, he's really good in the offensive end and he's a disaster in the defensive end and he was slow, right? Eric Carlson did become a Norris guy for four or five years and maybe that's happening now with Darlene because every night he goes out there and he looks like not just the best player in the Sabres but the best player on the ice you just you cannot take the puck from him his stick handling is up to it's it's as it's at as high a level as almost anybody in the sport he his vision is incredible for a defenseman he's always seeing the passing lanes before anybody else does and I would have said the weakness of his game the first four years of his career was his shot he has never had a good shot, 
and that has always inhibited him from putting up big points and being a big power play contributor. And this year, it's it's like it's the only thing he worked on in the offseason. It looks like a completely different release, almost just the way his lower body even is, is working. And he had five goals in his first five games. He's the first NHL defenseman ever to score in each of his first five games. So starting with Darlene, he looks like a guy that Sabre fans can actually think, oh, maybe this is a Norris Trophy level defenseman. So that's been awesome. Power has been, I think, steady and, you know, smooth and exactly what you might have thought of him as a prospect coming in, which is he's not going to be on SportsCenter top 10 a lot, but he does a lot of little things right. He does have a lot of good flash plays too, just not like highlight real plays. Um, And you mentioned he was on the top pair. He's been big for the Sabres because they've run into blue line injuries early to the point where Darren Dreger tweeted on Friday morning, they're already looking to trade for a depth defenseman because they lose Matias Samuelson to an injury for weeks. And he was a top pair guy for them. They lose Henry Okiharu for weeks. He was a second pair guy. Ilya Labushkin, who's been a third pair guy, has been dealing with injuries. So they're already banged up there. And there is Owen Power to step up on the top unit um, as a 20-year-old and play well against other teams' top lines. Now, I think he's not going to get a lot of headlines as a rookie, especially if he's playing with Darlene. Because Darlene, I mean, he's like a, he's a maverick out there. Like, he'll go anywhere on the ice. And Don Granato allows him to do that, which means the other defenseman has a lot of defensive onus on him. And Samuelson's perfect for that. But with him out, Power is going to step into that role and be a very defensive-minded defenseman, at least for the short term. So uh, I, I think he's playing fantastic. I also would not encourage anybody to place like a Calder Trophy bet on Owen Power because he's just he's not going to have the points, I think, in year one um, to where like everyone around the league is, you know, kind of gushing over him. But he's been solid, been solid. Well, awesome, Joe. Thank you so much for all the insight there on the Buffalo Sabres again before this matchup on Saturday night. Coming up in just a minute, folks, I will turn it over to Joe to ask me some questions on the Chicago Blackhawks. But first, I got to talk to you all about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all of the latest game developments, matchups, news, and podcasts on whatever game you want to place a wager on, not just football. Bet online is both the fastest and the easiest way. Checking on all your favorite sports and events. We got the MLB, NHL, NBA, MMA, boxing, and even golf. So head on over to the website today, or you can also go and use your mobile device to learn more right now about all of the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, segment two here on the show. Turning it over to Joe to ask some questions about the Chicago Blackhawks. Their start to the season, lineup stuff. Floor is yours, brother. So I kind of want to just start with, I'm interested that you called it, I, I guess I knew this, but you're very definitive in the first segment. Like this is year one of their rebuild. I guess, how on board are Blackhawks fans with what they did in the offseason with, you know, kind of admitting to, all right, it's time to retool, get younger, you know, trade some parts away to bring it and whatnot. How, just what's been the acceptance level uh, for Chicago's long-term plan here? Yeah, it's been frustrating for a lot of people, which I definitely understand when you look at what Patrick Kane is still able to do at this point of his career. And 
he's been putting up numbers year in and year out, but it just hasn't translated to team success. And we've had some pieces. Alex DeBrinkett obviously was one. That was really, I think, the backbreaker for Blackhawks fans was trading DeBrinkett and not really getting the most desirable return. I, I do understand mm. why uh, with Ottawa not getting an extension done there, why the return wasn't as much as some folks would have liked, but still it was underwhelming and frustrating to let go of a, a two-time young 40 goal scorer, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, at least from my perspective, I really felt like this was just kind of inevitable based on what the last regime did. And what, what stinks about it too is given that the Blackhawks have had this success I know it's early, but under Luke Richardson in his first seven games as a head coach, it makes you wonder with the talent that they had last season, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury, Strom, DeBrinckit, Kubalik, it makes you wonder if we had Luke Richardson here already, what this team would have been able to do. But mm. um, I think just how unclose the Blackhawks were to actually living up to expectations and competing for the Stanley Cup, along with one yeah. of the thinnest prospect pools in the entire NHL, as a new general manager, Kyle Davidson coming in, it felt like he really had to make it his era, his path, his team. And it, it did make sense, I think, to kind of blow it up and start over as frustrating as it is. And as that might lead right. to the departures of Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves too. Um, it, it sucked. And there were a lot of fans this summer that kind of just gave up on the team. But one thing I will say is I've thought Kyle Davidson as a general manager, other than that to bring it return, I thought he's done a phenomenal job bringing in a lot of good quality players for what this team's made for right now. Not, you know, offensive dynamos that are going to go and be productive and, you know, tanking. Mm. I, I don't want to say it's on the mind of this organization, but yeah, that having the potential to take a, a franchise altering player in next year's draft is very enticing for a lot of reasons, Yeah, uh, but they brought in a lot of good two way, hardworking guys who can, you know, provide energy and, provide a lot of hustle and intensity. And we, we've really seen that out of the Blackhawks so far this year, just the energy and the, the ability to compete for a full 60 minutes. That's been something they've been lacking for so long. We've seen it every game this year. So I, I thought Kyle Davidson has just done a, a really good job on that front. He's also taken advantage of a lot of teams' cap situations too. I mean, we got yeah. two firsts and two players from Tampa Bay just for Brandon Hagel. We made a really good deal a couple weeks ago, shipping Riley Stillman out to Vancouver for Dickinson, a second round pick. And then also yeah. in the, in his first NHL draft, I mean, 11 players, like I referenced earlier, and a lot of them, it was only a summer development camp and a prospect camp. But a lot of these guys sure look like they have the ability if things keep developing and progressing well to be NHL players one day down the road. So I am really excited for what Kyle Davidson is starting to build here. And I thought he's done a really good job at all levels, the roster, future draft picks, prospects, the people he's put around him, the coaching staff that he's put in place. It seems like things are, you know, we're starting to gain some steam here and we have a direction we're trying to take. We know the path we're on mm -hmm. and it feels good because the Blackhawks were in limbo for so long there, Joe, that it, it was brutal. And that's really what cost him. So Right. I think having this sense of direction and also seeing some success already early on the season has made it easier for Blackhawks fans than it was for a few months ago, for sure. Is the you mentioned the success early on? They're four and three, same record as the Sabers, uh, through seven games. I, we're debating this every day. How real is the start? How how real do you think the start is in Chicago? Like, is this 
could do they are they capable of being that big surprise of you know being in it right down the stretch of the season I don't know if they're capable of that but I do certainly think they're capable of surprising teams and like I talked about earlier the the compete level has been there every game yeah. and that's that's a noticeable difference right now so I don't think this is the most sustainable thing they're doing. Look, they're they're still not playing perfect hockey. There's been plenty of breakdowns. The thing about them is so far this year in the third period, when they've had their backs against the wall, they've done a good job of just finding a way to pull out wins. And you can never count a team out who's able to do that. I don't think it's the most sustainable style of hockey, but I definitely don't think the Blackhawks are going to be as bad as everyone was thinking at the start of the season. So probably this winning trajectory i would not say it's sustainable but i definitely don't think they're going to be the bottom bottom dwellers you know down there with arizona like some people thought but there is still going to be some some tough stretches undoubtedly is is that where do you stand on whether that's good or not like that they wouldn't be down there with arizona we dealt with this in 2015 especially when it was a full-blown tank like it was there was no hiding it this organization didn't really hide from it they were trying to get Connor mcdavid or jack eichel um and this year, there's two guys, too. I think Connor Bedard, this is different, that he's, like, maybe definitively the number one. Um, not that McDavid wasn't back then, because he was, too. But anyways, is it good if they finish, you know, fifth from the bottom and not, like, right at the bottom? I guess, what's your appetite to see them finish right at the bottom and just kind of, you know, increase your probability as much as possible that next year with this with this draft and, you know, trying to rebuild the thing, that you're going to get a franchise level player yeah I, I actually thought about this just the other day I, I was thinking like what if they do finish fifth to tenth was probably the range that yeah, I had them yeah. falling uh it definitely could be worse than that too I'm, I'm not gonna kid myself but um I think the thing about it is now that we have our head coach set in place and again it's really early but Luke Richardson from all aspects and from everyone from the players from former teammates he was an a thousand game veteran in the NHL from former uh, co-workers, guys used to work with in Montreal, fans in Montreal, we've only he heard good things about Luke Richardson. And given what he's been able to do early, it, it feels like he is the right guy for what the Blackhawks are doing right now, at least. And because yeah. we have that feeling about him, I, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if we exceeded those expectations and kind of start to create this scrappy claw your way out of any scenario mentality around this team, because that's kind of what we want at the end of the day. We just need a little bit more talent around it. Right. That's mm -hmm. really what the Blackhawks are lacking is the higher end guys. Um, but that, that mentality is so pivotal and what you need to have success in those biggest months of the season come summertime and springtime. So I, I think if Luke Richardson is able to instill that in year one, even though it's with a roster that's made up of guys who probably aren't going to be here for the long term. I think mm. that is still something that we can, you know, think positively on moving forward. And, and also at the end of the day, I, I expected the Blackhawks not to be the worst team in the league. Like I mentioned, I, I felt like if they were going to land Bedard, it was going to have to be to the luck of the draw in the NHL draft lottery anyway. Yeah. And, you know, finishing as the worst team, it guarantees you top three. But other than that, obviously, it's a percentage game. But we saw the Blackhawks not all that long ago, 2019. They were the 12th worst team in the NHL. They got bumped up all the way to number three. So yeah, 
it, it all is just kind of a crapshoot when it comes down to it. So if the Blackhawks show some signs of life and still finishes, what, the fifth, sixth, seventh worst team in the NHL and still at least have a chance to either land the number one pick, Connor Bedard, or land another high-talented prospect, I, I think it's still a good thing regardless moving forward for the organization. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about that because it's 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 not hockey's not like other sports with tanking. Um, it's not saying it has never happened. There are stories from the '80s about the Penguins tanking for Lemieux, and I just told you I think the Sabers 1,000 percent tanked in 2015, and they wouldn't even really hide it. Um, but like the Coyotes maybe are the only team for this, right? That like are they openly tanking when there's a generational prospect? Meanwhile, like over I don't know how much you follow the NBA, but this Victor Wembanyama kid that everyone says like the best prospect since LeBron, and like five teams are just like, oh, we're tanking, the, like the Pacers and the and the Spurs. So I like it. I I even though I think there's merit to doing it in the NHL's current system, you know, with the lottery the way it's set up, it's it's so far from a guarantee that you really can't do it. I feel like they've done a pretty good job of, you know, at least dissuading teams from from feeling feeling the value of you know finishing a dead last. Yeah. Just ask Detroit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they seem to get snubbed every year in that old lottery. Yeah. So, speaking of, like, rebuilding and retooling and whatnot, all the trades they made in the offseason, they did not trade Jonathan Taser, Patrick Kane. And I have to ask about Patrick Kane. I'm the Buffalo guy. Sabre fans are very interested in him. It's not my favorite idea for the Sabres by any means, but I do know Sabre fans are interested in what happens with Patrick Kane. Um, I mean, if they keep playing like this, they're not going to trade him, or maybe they still would. But what do you think happens with Kane? Is he likely to be moved at some, at some point in season here? Man, it, it's just so tough, and we really haven't heard any updates at all from him. Like, all summer, it was basically that he just wanted to get to training camp, and then they ask him about it, and he gives mm. you the classic hockey player. I, I'm just thinking about right now, putting my head down, working, just focused on the season. So we really haven't heard anything at all from either Jonathan Taves or Patrick Kane. So basically all of this is – just guessing, just kind of taking a shot in the dark here. But um, I've talked about it a ton on my show. My thing is, I just feel like the fiery competitor in Patrick Kane would really want to go and pursue winning a Stanley Cup once again. And I actually, I'm guilty of doing this, especially now that the Blackhawks are in a rebuild. But from time to time, you know, uh, a few days ago, actually, I just watched the Blackhawks hoisting the Stanley Cup at the United Center in 2015 and watching Patrick Kane in particular lifting it. And the first thought that came to my head was, man, is that the last time he really is ever going to do that? And in Mm -hmm. Chicago, if he stays with his Blackhawks team, it probably is. Like, he's going to be, what, 38, 39 years old once they become the ideal competitor that they want to be again. Like, not saying he can't be still productive at that age if Patrick Kane has shown us anything. It's that he's still capable, if not more capable, of being a premier player in this league. But I just feel like, man, he's won so much. It's been such a tough stretch for him these last seven years since they won last time. I feel like he's going to want to do that. But again, this is just me guessing. I'm not having conversations with Kane or he hasn't given us any insight. But that's just what I feel like for both Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. So that would be my guess. But it also wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world for Patrick Kane to stay. And one thing Mm. that I think will help that cause, too, is how much fun this team has had under Luke Richardson already. Regardless of the results, guys even in training camp are talking about how much they love playing for Luke Richardson and how fun it has been thus far. And Patrick Kane and he uh, really uh, talked a lot, apparently, over the offseason. They had a lot of connections and a lot of communication. 
And given that Kyle Davidson, I mean, like I referenced earlier, one NHL draft looks like he's got some decent players there. The Blackhawks have two firsts each of the next two years, potentially more coming. Maybe that's something that sways those guys to stay, seeing that there could be something building here. But I don't know. I still feel like it's more likely that they get traded than not. But uh, we're not going to hear anything or hear any updates until probably December at the earliest on that front, Joe. So, yeah, just kind of taking stabs in the dark here. But that's my thoughts on it. Interesting. All right. Real quick on the lineup. Uh, The Sabres have faced six of seven backup goaltenders so far this year. It's been, you know, a little reason why. Oh, maybe their start isn't as real as we think. They've only faced one starting goaltender. To be fair, that was Jacob Markstrom, and they got him pulled in the second period because they were blowing out Calgary. But anyways, um, what is happening with Chicago and net right now? And is it is there even have like a guy that you would say, oh yeah, he's the starter, and the Sabers are seeing another backup on Saturday? What's going on in net? So the Sabres will be seeing another backup on Saturday. That's, but, that's amazing. Uh, the, <laughs> the goaltender situation for the Blackhawks, Peter Morazic is the starter for sure, but okay. he's on IR right now with a groin injury. So they're left with Alex Stalock, who started each of their last two games and has done a pretty decent job. Um, last yeah. game against Edmonton was a little tougher, but that tends to happen when you go up against Connor McDavid, who had a hat trick. I was 10 rows behind the glass, by the way, Joe. It was the craziest thing I have ever watched, witnessing Connor <laughs> McDavid that close in person record a hat trick. Dude, it was yeah. bananas. It was bananas. But anyways, uh, Alex Stalock has been the guy who started each of these last two games. They've had to call up young prospect Arvid Soderblom from the Rockford Icehogs. He made two NHL starts last season. He will be making his third on Saturday in Buffalo with the Blackhawks having a back-to-back. So he, he's still you know, very raw a little um, in terms of NHL level, but he was really good with Rockford last year, was a big reason why that team qualified for the Calder Cup playoffs. And uh, I'm really high on this kid. I think once he gets more reps and experience at the pro level over here in North America, he's going to be really good, but uh, kind of a tough situation for him, I, I feel like, to go into thinking he was going to start the year in Rockford, all of a sudden getting called up and uh, now getting thrown into the fire on Saturday. So he will be the one in net for the Blackhawks. Okay. I know the McDavid thing, by the way. We used to drive down to Erie to see him in juniors when cool. the Sabres were tanking. What a team yeah, that I, was. Oh, my God. Oh, dude, they had so many guys. Dylan Strom was on that team. Debrinkin was on that team. Yeah, that's why you know, because they were they ended up being in Chicago. Taylor Radish. Now Taylor Chicago Radish. Uh, Andre Burakovsky, who I think is in, in Seattle now. Yeah, he's in Seattle now. Yeah. Uh, he was on that team. Yeah, that, that team was loaded. <laughs> Uh, if you if you are interested, uh, I think Craig Anderson probably is the guy on Saturday, even though he's been the Sabres backup. Um, he little trivia for you. He started his career with Chicago. I got the first game he ever played up in front of me and just looking at the rosters. I'm getting some mad PTSD right now. Uh, not that I remember Phil Housley, because apparently Phil Housley was on the Blackhawks at that point. That's how long ago <laughs> Craig Anderson. Jesus. Yeah. Craig Anderson, Chicago guy. Um, yeah, let, let's let's dive into some keys to victory and predictions here in just a second. But real quick, I do got to let all the listeners know about Simply Safe because the numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people, Joe, have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. And you don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. And at Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. And they provide you with cutting-edge security technology powered by 24-7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. And here's why I love it personally. 
Simply Safe always blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, along with HD security cameras for inside and outside your home, along with even hazard sensors that can instant, instantly detect fires, floods, and other threats immediately. You can also go and customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash NHL. And save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan. You'll also get your first month for free. All you got to do is visit simplysafe.com slash NHL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, back here for segment three. We just referenced the starting goaltenders we think for this matchup on Saturday night in Buffalo. We know actually from the Blackhawks side of things that it is going to be Arvid Soderblom making his third career NHL start and his first of the season. Sounds like it's going to be Craig Anderson, former Blackhawk. Some of you folks might remember those days. Uh, Sounds like he will be in net for Buffalo on Saturday. Now getting into some keys to victory and some predictions on this game. Joe. Sabres have lost two in a row, as we've referenced earlier. What are some keys in your mind for them to get back into the W column on Saturday night against the Blackhawks? I think their number one key to victory is just limit scoring chances as much as possible because they have given up a lot of shots uh, and a lot of high-quality scoring chances throughout the year, and that was when they were healthy on the blue line. And as I mentioned earlier, they are not healthy on the blue line right now. And that was their problem against Montreal. It was, okay, yeah, you outplayed them and you had 40-plus shots on goal, but you gave up 32 on the night and a couple of quality scoring chances, even though the goals they scored were kind of fluky. Um, The Sabres have not been very buttoned up in their own end. And that's a fun style. I like it. If you're going to go down, go down swinging. Uh, I'd rather lose 5-4 to than 1-0 to because you're playing on your heels the whole night. And that's, I think, what the Sabres are doing. In fact, Don Granato... You don't hear this candidly from coaches a lot. He's outright said, we know we're in the entertainment business. We want to score goals. But he also talked about like players have fun, you know, and it's more enjoyable for them to play when they play this open style of hockey. So I like that the Sabres play that open style of hockey, but they got to be more buttoned up in their own end when they are in their own end. The, 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 the outbreak, the, you know, the outlet passes from to the neutral zone. Um, instead of just punting it back to the other team at the blue line. So they need to work on what they're doing in their own net. And then number two would just be barrier chances. Uh, They've got guys that are goal scorers on this team. Three guys that scored 20-plus goals last year. Tage Thompson scored 38, Jeff Skinner scored 33, and Kyle Poso scored 21. All veteran guys, not like the rookies, that all contributed offensively last year. And so far this year, they have two goals between the three of them. So my second key to that game would absolutely be you're getting a ton of chances, but these guys that are getting paid to score goals got to start to show up a little bit. Skinner did in the last game. He did score. But that three, those three collectively, you got to get at least one goal between the three because that's a lot of money between those three. That's a lot of ice time between them that you got to see a little bit more production. For the Blackhawks side of things, I think a couple major keys. First, they got to tighten it up in – help out their young goaltender in Arvid Soderblom because in their last game on Thursday night, it, it was actually the wildest game of hockey I've ever witnessed, Joe. There were 17 power plays in this game. 17. It was the longest and wildest game I've ever witnessed. Wow. Doing that against Connor McDavid and the Oilers, whether or not that was the Blackhawks' fault or the officials were calling things a little bit more that night, so be it, but never a good idea to do that against Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, in the Oilers. 
And I also think it would really go a long way if they structure things back up and don't take as many penalties against the Sabres uh, on Saturday night to help their young goaltender. Tighten things up in front of them. Don't get in that track meet style of game. I know you listeners out there probably aren't wanting to hear this, but I think boring might be okay in this <laughs> one in particular for the Blackhawks. Uh, mm. Second, I really think it's important for them to, to score first and get off to a good start. Six out of the seven games this year, Blackhawks have given up the first goal. They've been coming from behind way too often. Now, to their credit, they've been doing a good job of coming back and had another one uh, late in the third period against Edmonton on Thursday. But they could make lives, again, easier on themselves by scoring that first goal. They just haven't done it frequently enough. One time in the first seven games. Score the first goal. I think it goes a long way up in Buffalo. And then also, ride the hot top line of Andreas Athanasiu, Max Domi, and Patrick Kane. That trio opened up the year a little bit cold. They've clearly started to get it going these past few games. Patrick Kane has seven points in his last three. Max Domi has three goals in his last four games during a four-game point streak. And Patrick Kane, for whatever reason, he uh, not for whatever reason, you know he has that extra mojo mm-hmm. when he's going up against his hometown Buffalo Sabres. He always seems to perform well against them, particularly when it's in Buffalo. So keep riding that hop top line. I think those three things go a long way for the Blackhawks on Saturday. Joe, before we get on out of here, what do you got as a prediction for this matchup? I got, but before I do prediction, actually, two things. One, I do have numbers on Kane. Kane against the Sabres, 25 points in 20 games for his career. Although he's got probably over a point a game against most teams, so that might be on track for what he does normally. Uh, I do have a third key to the game, just to throw in here at the end. Show Bill's players on the Jumbotron more. Because if I know one thing about being in that arena uh, so far this year, you want to get the crowd into it, show Josh Allen up on the Jumbotron. Show... Uh, you know, get Stefan Diggs and they all go to the games a lot. So I, I would guess a couple of them are there. Um, I'm not even kidding when I say that the crowd goes nuts and that's, that's a awesome. way to get, the, get them into it. Um, my prediction for this game, I would go Sabres for Blackhawks two uh, in this one. I think the Sabres are going to try to play that up and down style. Chicago will get a couple of goals because the Sabres aren't very buttoned up in their own end. And listen, I'm a puck line guy when it comes to betting. I like to take uh, the minus goal and a half because you can get the empty netter pretty easily so i'll go sabers four to two but i'm not picking a, a blowout by any means in this game and i'm admitting up front that it's possible that that uh that fourth goal could be an empty netter yeah i was actually going four to blackhawks in this one okay uh, who knows how it's going to go though because i've been on the wrong side of these basically <laughs> all year when i've done these predictions yeah. uh i do have the blackhawks bouncing back and winning this one on the road i think they're sadly not going to start out hot, but the resiliency of this team, I don't know what it is. It's kind of been a theme of them as of late. So I got a feeling it's going to be 3-2 late. Patrick Kane's going to get a big goal down the stretch or a big point. Blackhawks are going to get an empty netter to win this one 4-2. But, Joe, I want to say thank you so much again for taking the time to do this crossover with oh, me yeah. ahead of this matchup. Looking forward to it. I know we only get to do a couple of these every so often with the Blackhawks and Sabres being on the two different conferences. But thank you for your time, man, and I hope you enjoy watching this one on Saturday night. Always appreciate the time, Jack. Let's hope uh, the next time we talk, January 17th, that uh, both our teams are still in it. If we both have winning records <laughs> on January 17th, life will be good for both of us. We, we, we won't say anything bad about either team, I guarantee you, if, they, if they're still going <laughs> by that point. 100%. Well, thanks again, Joe. And thank you again, everyone, for tuning into this crossover edition of Locked On Blackhawks and Locked On Sabres. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.